0: So, it's June 7th, 2017. Greg, what are you into?
1: Well, I just started, I finally got around to starting Well of Ascension, the second book in the Mistborn series, which means I finished Wise Man's Fear. Uh, um, So let me talk about how good Well of Ascension is, especially by, maybe by contrast to the book I just finished, And you were right, of course, this is the book I should have been reading, not Wise Man's Fear, because Wise Man's Fear doesn't get better. But it's amazing, after coming off reading um, a Rothfuss book, and then, you know, getting into this, because it's like, and I'm not super deep into the book yet, so I don't know if this is going to be true throughout the whole thing, but having read um, the first book in the series, I have a hunch that this is just... Sanderson style but every single page is either devoted to um plot development, character development or world building. There is no filler in in this book at all. Like there's no just scenes that don't go anywhere or something I was seeing a lot of in uh the Rothfuss stuff is that these like you think your character is about to you know do a thing, they're going to go into the library and find the book. Nope, they have to they won't – they can't let – they're not allowed in the library. So they have to do some little quest to be able to get into the library. And you're like, finally, now they're going to get into the – go find that book so that we can move on to the next part of the story. And Because now that they're allowed in the library, it's like, nope. He's going to get a uh, prank played on him by the by his, his rival so that he gets kicked out of the library. And you're like, come on. But Sanderson doesn't do that. It's just – he doesn't put these artificial barriers in the way of characters, you know, doing the thing that they need to do to move the plot along. Like, I mean, at least in this part of the book, there's a mystery. There's a little bit of a, um, what are they? The Chandra, which are the kind of shapeshifter mm-hmm. creatures in, in, in this world. And a. it looks like they a renegade, a, not a renegade, a, you know, enemy Chandra has infiltrated our heroes crew and now we're engaged in a mystery of figuring out who it is and it's clear that this is just going to be something that vin the the main character she's going to figure out eventually as opposed to you know it's just she needs to eliminate enough people from the list of suspicion as opposed to well she's got to go talk to some expert on on the chandra which means Uh, she has to find this person, but oh no, it turns out they went to another city and now she has to go to that city. And oh no, they're not in this city. And then it's just, it moves along so well. And again, every single page, you feel like is paying off on the story. It is moving the plot forward. It is developing these characters. It is teaching you something about the world through exposition that works and that makes sense. And it has to do with a little bit of the way that he kind of does you know, his kind of limited third person narration where the narrator can just tell you some things about the world. Unlike, you know, the King killer stuff where it has to be all done through these like clunky, like story within a story. Like, oh, I'm telling a legend about, you know, the way that this particular war was fought. That's how the author is letting the readers know about the history of the world. What's this big clunky thing that has to go through all these different levels where it's like, no, he's just going to tell you, oh, that's the way our, this society works. Mm -hmm. Um,
0: Uh, I'm curious to see as you continue on. I mean, a lot of people will, a lot of people criticize the second and parts of the, probably maybe the first half of the third book for being slower than the first book. Although I think that it, it is more just like maybe they don't care for the type of character development in or the time spent with certain characters. Like this book, the next book, spent a lot of time with Sazed or Sazed or I think it's Sazed. Um, the uh, Pharaoh Chemist, however you say that. Mm-hmm. Um, and some people don't really like his storyline. I did personally. But uh, there's all, there is one storyline in the second book that is like – when it comes, when it when you take take a look back, you're like, I uh, really didn't, I really didn't mean anything. But, uh, not the one you're referring to now, and I, I'm not gonna spoil <laughs> which one it is, obviously.
1: But well, but if Rothfuss was writing this, 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 who's the Chandra? What would happen is uh, we would get, we would devote 300 pages to it. And then at the end we would find out that, oh no, those bones were just in the closet for a different reason. Never mind.
0: Yeah. Yeah. No, it kind of feels like the way you describe Rothfuss writing, which I didn't pick up on reading it, but the way you describe it, it sounds like when you're playing like an RPG and you just have like all these hoops to jump through to get to like the next mission. You're like, come on, man, I just want to kill the Griffin. Like, I don't want to go like fetch this and do that. You know, it's like, uh, it's kind of what it feels like. Cause you're like, oh, well, I guess I got to go help, help the, the herbalist gets some honeycombs like.
1: <laughs> yeah. Or or like an old point and click adventure game <laughs> where like you have to jump through all of these ridiculous hoops just to complete a very simple task where, you know, it's, um, oh, you have to pay the guy to get into the library, but you don't have any money. And rather than just like, you know, go busk on a street corner for an hour, you have to like. You have to find the old wizard and trick the old wizard into giving you a chicken and then give the chicken to the to the old barmaid. And then the old barmaid will tell you a secret about the – and that's the way Rothfuss is. And you realize you get to the – you realize that the entire book was him getting the two cents he needs to get into the library. And then when he finally gets into the library, you know, again, there's some other stupid thing about why well, he can't just read a book.
0: Yeah. Um, One thing I, I really like the uh, the ending of the second book. Once again, it sort of plays with your expectations a little bit in the way the first book did. Yeah, I won't, I guess, I mean, spoil. I don't know, spoiler. But, like, you know, the ending of the first book is like, oh, I kind of didn't see that one coming. I mean, maybe some people do. But, like, it's sort of a shock what happens in the first book. You're like, oh, this is this main. It's almost like a Game of Thrones type thing where you're like, I kind of thought this was the main character. Guess not. Uh, but what? the second book kind of has a similar thing where it's like playing with like a, you know, this is what's going to happen. Oh, wait, nope.
1: Yeah. And I, I, you know, the the thing about, you know, these books, and again, uh, contrary to the um, Rothfuss books is like, I'm interested in, I don't know what's going to happen. And I want to find out what is going to happen. Whereas in the Rothfuss books, it's like, I know what happens, something cool. <laughs> but I also know that I'm not going to hear about it in this book. Yeah, I'm not going to hear about how he kills a king. We haven't even met the king yet. And this is the King Killer Chronicles. Yeah. And we don't even we don't even know the king's name. And we are two books into the trilogy. Whereas with Mistborn, I'm like, look, I know this is gonna involve the Well of Ascension. I have a good feeling that this story is gonna involve Vin getting to the Well of Ascension and some cool stuff happening. And I wanna see what that I want to see the hows and whys there. The city is under siege. I wanna see how that plays out. Like I'm excited to see what happens next, as opposed to like when are we going to get to the fireworks factory? <laughs>
0: yeah, um, some people think that uh, I was reading the King Killer Chronicles subreddit. Some people think that Ambrose is that—that's the name of his like bully in school. Yes. Some people think that that might be the king. Because Better fucking not. If, if you like look at sort of behind the scenes of like his genealogy and stuff, like it seems like there's a possibility that his family could rise to power and he could become king. And that's the payoff of all the bullying and stuff. But I'm like, I don't know if I like that. That's dumb. That's like contrary. I don't know.
1: Well, it's so dumb and contrived, like because it's again and looking back on the Rathbos stuff and how much is of it is just coincidence that works out for the plot's favor, that, it, you know, like all the times he's bumping into Denna, just coincidentally because the book needs him to bump into Denna right now. But it, that would just be so stupidly convenient that Ambrose ends up being king, and then, oh, I guess that's the king I killed. But also you feel like if this is some story that he's telling, you know, we all know that he's, quoth king killer, and he's telling this story to uh chronicler and he's talking about this guy ambrose like chronicler would be like oh yeah the king yeah right right i so oh so you went to college with the king i get it so i feel like that would be such a weird and dumb payoff like how is it that in all the times he's talked about this with these other characters they just didn't happen to know the name of the king
0: (laughs) yeah Uh, And I also feel like all the stuff with Denna, like it's so coincidental that it almost makes me feel like it's just like a hidden plot point. But I don't know. Like I just don't – I can't say, you know. Honestly,
1: I don't think (laughs) – I don't think having having read this book and then, you know, read some other people writing about this book, um, I don't think Patrick Rothfuss planned all that much ahead. Mm -hmm. You know, I was reading this – I'm reading this Let's Read – thing, and I'll link to it in the show notes, because it's just a fantastic review and refutation of all the hype of, of um, the the Kingkiller books. But there are many times when you can see that Rothfuss, like, added chapters where it doesn't quite make sense, and things don't quite add up, like, especially in the first book, like, the whole period where, you know, Quoth is in Tarbion, and he's, you know, a beggar. Like, it really seems like they like they point out, like, if you just... If you look at it, it makes a lot more sense as if the original draft of this, he went right from his, like, hermit phase in the woods right to um, Imre to to go to the university. Because they talk about, like, when he's in Tarbion, he's acting like a teenager. But then when he gets to the university again, he's acting like a little kid for a while. And it just seems like you can kind of see where the cuts are. Mm. And there's even a point where they pointed out where Rothfuss gets the age wrong. Like he talks about how many birthdays he spent in Tarbian and they like, like, wait, no, if he was – if he was 12 when he left the Adima Roo and then he spent three birthdays, that means he's 15 – or no, it's like six months and then he's 16. and then But then he's 15 when he gets to the university or something mm. weird like the math doesn't work out. Yeah. And you're like, how? who let this happen? I just get the sense that like the idea that Rothfuss has a master plan, I really don't think so.
0: Yeah. I have one other Mistborn-related question. We can move on. Uh, what do you think of the character of Ellen?
1: He s- feels a little underdeveloped. Okay. I, I, I get the, I mean, it's been, I think I finished the first book around Christmas, so it's been a while. Mm-hmm. But I, he feels a little underdeveloped and it is, yeah like, I wonder why Vin is in love with him. that It just seems a little bit kind of like, well, because he's the king and she's the assassin, so this is the story we need to tell. I hope that we get a little bit more from him and, yeah, he seems kind of flat and almost like a prop for the other characters to use Yeah, at this point.
0: I will say that I think one, one of the one thing that Mistborn does well, which series should do in my opinion is as characters start showing up and some characters come and go, like it makes room for other characters to step in and get more developed. And that's always a nice thing I look for in things. But I, I was curious what your opinion, like sort of his, his um, conflict over like he's the King, but he doesn't really believe in Kingship. I thought like yeah. related to our political discussion, you might find that interesting
1: yeah and I think that I, I I kind of want to see more of him like because the the first book he was kind of set up as this kid, you know this kind of scholar and kind of uh, political scientist and then who gets thrust into this role of king for plot contrivances I can't quite remember mm-hmm. and I'm really hoping to like see more of him like talking about you know um, politics and governance as opposed to just me being told he's really interested in those things.
0: <laughs> yeah I think you'll I think he will That'll pay off for you a little bit more because they spent more Good. time with him in this book. Good. So. All right. Shall we move on?
1: Yeah. I think it's time we talk about uh, what we came here to talk about. Oh, and do we have something to talk about? <laughs> <laughs> so, last week we started talking a little bit about the dark universe. <laughs> um, but The Mummy comes out this Friday. Are you going to go see it?
0: If I had any time to go see a movie, I would go see Wonder Woman. Uh, I haven't <laughs> had time because – and I want to – I mean if this movie is as good as people are saying it is and it has been consistently just like, yeah, this movie's awesome. Like no one I've – I haven't Wonder read Wolf. a single review. yeah, That has been negative about it. I have heard someone was like, oh, it's not quite as live up to the hype but it's still a really good movie. And it's like, OK, well, that sounds like I want to – something I want to go see, something I want to tell DC and WB like, hey, this – do this over here. This movie that you made that's good that has an awesome you know, female protagonist and all these things. Yeah, do that. Uh, so otherwise I might go see it until I started seeing <laughs> the <laughs> early reviews and reading yeah. some of them and being like, oh, oh, no, this is not a good movie. I think it's sitting yeah. in a solid like 26% on Rotten Tomatoes as of this mm. time. It's like, oh, that's not. Once again, we talked about Rotten Tomatoes before. If it's in those extremes, you kind of get a good sense yeah. of where
1: we're at. <laughs> so – but I think what kicked this off is not only that this movie comes out, you know, this this week, so we, you know, it's a good time to talk about it, but some other announcements have been made about what the kind of lineup for films in the dark universe is gonna be. And so let's so they the exact number of films they have planned is is a question and Whether or not these things are going to be their own movies or their own just characters within the universe is unclear. But the way they've been talking about these are each one of these characters gets a movie. And I'm going to start with – I'm going to go down the list and you're going to – I think you're all going to hear the point where we as the world went from a, oh, all right, fine, I guess, to a what the fuck are you doing kind of thing. So, all right. So we start with The Mummy, obviously. That's out there. Uh, I don't know why you don't start with Dracula, but we'll talk about that, I guess. Um, Creature from the Black Lagoon. All right. I know people are really anxious to see what that's about, but there you go. Frankenstein, obviously. Bride of Frankenstein, potentially starring Angelina Jolie. Okay. I mean, if you're doing a Frankenstein, might as well do Bride of Frankenstein. Dracula. Good to know that he's on the list, you know, one of the biggest characters in all of Western literature, one of the, you know, possibly the most filmed character in all of Western cinema, and he's like fifth down on your list after Creature from the Black Lagoon, but all right, he made it on the list. Invisible Man, uh, potentially starring Johnny Depp? Yeah. All right, fine.
0: Uh I don't think it's potential. I think it's like that's oh, no. almost been confirmed I, from what I've heard. Uh, and apparently Johnny Depp is way off the deep end from what I've heard. Like he doesn't learn his lines anymore. He wears an earpiece and people just feed him his lines and he plays Jack Sparrow and he's just a mess. So,
1: Hey, that's what Brando did. <laughs> but there are legends that Brando would just, um, he'd have his lines written on pieces of paper. Um, and, uh, you know, just put them just out of, <laughs> just out of view in the camera and just read them. Uh, the fact I think it was, it was on nine and a half weeks. or even a legend that he had his, uh, He had his lines written on the naked backside of his co-star anyway. Cool. So good for Johnny. I hope he has, I hope his career goes just as well as Brando's. Um, the wolf man. Good. Although starring the rock. uh, Okay. I mean, I guess, I mean, if you're like looking at your character and you're like, Hmm, we've got this giant hulking meat mountain. Um, Who should we cast him as? You know, he'd be a really good Franken. No, 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 the Wolfman. Okay, got it. Great. That's what you want your giant for. Anyway, but this, well, no, maybe. No, here's where things go off the rails. The Hunchback of Notre Dame and the Phantom of the Opera. You know, those classic movie monsters, the Hunchback of (laughs) Notre Dame. I mean. (laughs) Notre Dame, sorry. Notre Dame and the Phantom of the Opera.
0: Yeah. I I mean, I I was reading a little bit about this because I was unfamiliar and I – you know, they were monster, quote unquote, movies before they were really popular as musicals, but like just before and they weren't that important. And but their music, like we know them as their musical. Like, that's what the form they've taken on. Well, yeah.
1: And let alone also, all the other issues with it. <laughs> also, the Hunchback of Notre like that was so all of these characters, right, either come from. Horror or maybe we could even say early sci-fi. You could make the argument that maybe the invisible man is early sci-fi or whatever. But but then you get to the hunchback of no dream. He's the hero of that book. Yeah. That's about it's about a sad guy who gets who gets hassled by the church.
0: <laughs> yeah, like I just, I mean, is it really a good idea to be making like a man with a physical disability like the monster in your story? Ugh. Like, uh, and same thing with Phantom Opera, like Guy got, really, I mean, he's jackass, but like got really burned. Like, I just they don't. So what? So yeah, I don't, I don't
1: know. I'm just oh, I hate it. The Phantom of the Opera is like the is like the um, is like the prototype of like Reddit nice guy. <laughs> like you know capital n capital g nice guy who like you know he thinks he's got a girl he really likes and he's like been he was nice to her for a while but then she didn't sleep with him so he's like ah i'll stalk her that'll show her and i'll be a monster like that's the that's the Phantom of the opera he's just some shitty dude who's there's a girl who doesn't like him so he like murders and because he felt he's owed this girl and like that's the phantom of the opera. He doesn't have any powers. He's just an ugly dude who lives in a basement because the girl he liked wouldn't sleep with him. Um so anyway, so this whole dark universe which has been set up and, you know, universal is the whole time they're like we're it's going to be a cinematic universe just like DC and Marvel and these films are all connected and we've got our Nick Fury character uh, or our Bruce Wayne character. And that's Dr. Jekyll played by what's his name? Russell Crowe. Um, and he's putting together the team to fight monsters. And they're like, it's really, it, it just feels like a, a, reskinning of the Marvel <laughs> like formula. It really does.
0: And I'm, I was trying to look up the name of like his, his organization it was like pro pro uh, trying to find it, but, um, I'll find it then, but and like they say in the movie, like he's there and they show him like getting his injections to like keep the beast at bay. But of course, at some point, which is
1: the opposite of the way it works.
0: Yes, yes, uh, and like <laughs> at some point it goes wrong, and like you see a glimpse of him as like hulking out essentially. Um, and I was just like, but but the, the the crazy thing about this, the whole like they 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 are obviously very obviously modeling this off of the Marvel Cinematic Universe, and then subsequently. Kind of the DC Cinematic universe. But recently they said there will be no post-c- post-credit scenes because that's Marvel's thing and we're not trying to ape them. <laughs> yeah? Y- you aren't? Really? Because you could've fooled me. Like I mean, like the idea of like Batman, like Bruce Wayne being like the guy, like, all right, I think we think we need justly like, okay. I can I can understand. Or somebody, like, in that universe making sense. But like the whole like we gotta have Doctor Jekyll form a team. You might call it a suicide
1: sc- No, like, like what? <laughs> like what is this? Why? <laughs> yeah. So, and they're also I've I've read from the early press screenings that the that the right after like the typical like Universal Studios logo, they throw up this big dark universe logo, like the way that Marvel does. Like, oh, this is a Marvel Studios film, and I think DC has started to do where, but it's like, I mean, Marvel. They earned that. They made a bunch of movies that were loosely tied together and then they started bringing them together after like six or seven movies after they they established the cinematic universe. They started calling it the cinematic universe um, and even DC, which, you know, they kind of had more of an obvious plan than Marvel did. But even, this, even then, like they haven't started like really branding these movies until they got um, – Superman, Batman versus Superman, Wonder Woman, and Suicide Squad under their belt as like the first four movies. And then they started really, you know, cashing in on the universe. But this one, it's like, hey, you haven't even seen this mummy movie yet, but we've got a cinematic universe. And we're, that's the whole point. We're building this because we hear those make a lot of money and we've got these characters. Uh, So. And here's some um, more
0: information I just found while trying to find this, this name. The name of the organization is called the Prodigium what that's like the name of the place but i think then also refers to the organization that hold like it's like a monster prison essentially uh but some other casting things that i didn't know about so apparently creature from the black lagoon is going to be starring scarlett johansson uh not as right. a creature maybe as a creature i don't know um
1: well no i mean the whole i mean it, it, close your eyes and picture creature from the black lagoon yeah there's a guy in a rubber suit holding a wet woman in a nightie and I think the wet woman in the nighties probably going to be Scarlett Johansson.
0: Yes, they're also talking about a Van Helsing movie, which makes sense. Uh, and then I guess another one alleged star is Javier Bardem is going to maybe be Frankenstein, not like the monster, but or maybe the monster. Doctor. I don't. The doctor, probably, because he's. They're saying that he's going to be in Bride of Frankenstein,
1: perhaps. You know, renowned German actor Harv, <laughs> Javier Bardem. I mean, look, guys, if there was a role, I mean. Christoph Waltz is—he's oh, got man. weird German down just fine. If you need somebody, I think you've got him. Also, didn't didn't Harry Potter just play Victor Frankenstein in a movie? I th- I think you're or right. Or was Wait. It was either him or uh, Young Professor X. They were both in it. I'm not sure which one was the doctor and which one was—I guess Igor. But oh man, Javier. Ba- I mean, look, Javier Bardem's a great actor, especially when you need somebody to be like creepy and villainous. It's kind of his thing. But, like, as Dr. Victor Von Frankenstein.
0: Yeah, like, I mean, all these people are, well, maybe not Giant Depp anymore, but, like, most of these people are pretty good <laughs> actors and actresses, so that's not the point. Like, you, we've been shown right. a million times that, like, you can have the best cast in the world and it doesn't matter.
1: <laughs> well, the the last Wolfman movie, which I didn't see because it also got bad reviews, but it was um, Benicio Del Toro as the Wolfman. And I'm like, I You know what? If there's a real human being out there who I think might turn into an animal at night, it's Benicio del Toro. (laughs) Like he's got that kind of vibe. Uh, The Rock does not have that kind of vibe.
0: Yeah. And originally that Dracula Untold movie, or that was called Mm -hmm. the most recent Mm -hmm. Dracula movie, was supposed to be the kickoff to this universe. But because it was bad, it didn't. I don't know. Uh, So which would have made. A little more sense, I guess.
1: So this is what I think they're – where I think they might be having a a problem is that um, I don't think they know – I don't think they've decided yet if the monsters in these movies are the heroes or the villains in the movies. (laughs) So the mummy is clearly the villain in this movie. and But I think that maybe one of the reasons that they decided that Dracula Untold would not be part of this is because that sets up Dracula as – Kind of a hero, an, an anti hero, right? It, it shows, it, it gives him a good reason to get, um, to become a vampire and become, you know, become Dracula. So you're setting him up as a sympathetic character. Was that movie and any I think good? They dropped that hmm? Was that movie any good? Um, it was a Dracula movie that was not Bram Stoker's Dracula. So I'm going to go with no. <laughs> gotcha. I haven't seen it. Oh, okay. Um, but, uh, Sorry. So they've made it. So the so the the mummy is is definitely the villain of the mummy. Um, But it's very. It's also very clear, not only from the trailers, but from early reviews, that they're really just trying to make these into like action movies and specifically superhero action movies. Which is a kind of when you think about an action movie, like Die Hard is an action movie, but it's not an action movie the same way that like The Avengers is an action movie, where it's like big set pieces and generally either a hole in the sky opening up above a city or a beam of light coming out of the ground into the sky in a city as the kind of the the big thing that everybody has to go beat and that's kind of the, the style of action that they're going for and they're making the monsters the villains and it's making it superhero action and that is stupid and it's not going to work because I have no problem with making the antagonist in your movie like that's the main character the one you're following like Dracula is, you know, Dracula movies are at their best when Dracula is on screen. And, um, you know, you can make a, a, an act, a movie about an anti hero, or you can even make a horror movie where literally the villain is who we're rooting for and who we're following through the film, right? Like, you don't care about the people that Freddy Krueger is killing. You want to see Freddy Krueger kill people, and you're kind of rooting for Freddy, even though you're, you know, you're not supposed to. You know, he's the bad guy. But, all the heroes are cannon fodder. They're not important characters and, that, and that's horror and that works and that's why you can make a horror movie where you follow Frankenstein's monster around and he strangles people to death because that's – those are the conventions of horror movie genre is I want to see the bad guy kill some good guys and I want to kind of root for the bad guy in this. But that doesn't work on the scale of like superhero action movies like – it's going to be really, really hard. Like you can make me root for a psychopath who's going to go murder some sexy teens. It's harder to make me root for a ghost who's trying to destroy Manhattan. <laughs> it's – so it's, it's a problem of scale. So that means that you have to – now the heroes, your Tom Cruises, have to be the centerpiece of the movie but – I mean even the Brendan Fraser mummy Brendan Fraser mummy movies which were pretty good I bet you couldn't tell me that character's name and they even did a pretty good job of like establishing him and he's like this kind of Indiana Jones type and you know uh you know kind of quippy and action hero-y and those movies worked because they were light and they were action movies but he was the hero and they made an interesting character around him In This you've got it's Tom Cruise doing Tom Cruise stuff and I can't wait to go see now do I want to see that Tom Cruise go fight Frankenstein? No. Like, you need your superhero team to be the most important things. You know, almost, if you really wanted to do this right, these movies would be, like, Dr. Jekyll is putting together the monster squad. Like, he's putting together... Like, he's like, you know how we can really take over the world is if we, like, combine the powers of the mummy and Dracula. (laughs) But instead, it's like, no, I'm going to build a team of a bunch of nobodies who can fight these big monsters. I just... I think that their formula is already broken. Like they they have to invent a whole new genre of movie about this where there's city just where we have to have action on the level of destroying cities, but at the same time I have to be super interested in the bad guys because they're the most fully developed and interesting characters. What are you doing guys?
0: I, I mean, and just to think like, how do you, I mean, I, I just wonder, you know, like when you see the, at least the trailers for the mummy, it's like, this lady seems pretty powerful. What are you going to fight her with? I mean, unless unless some of the monsters are going to be good guys. But even then, it's like, all right, well, you got, like, an invisible guy. But, like, how is he going to fight the mummy who's, like, calling swarms of locusts and whatever? Like, fight. I mean, maybe he's good against Dracula. But I don't know. Like, can Dracula smell it's like... It's like you almost have to develop, like, your universe from the ground up a little bit. And it's just, like... But like you said, the gears aren't there. Like the building blocks don't make any sense. So it's just going to be like this weird cobbled together duct tape mess.
1: Right. Uh, (laughs) It it takes place in our modern world with our modern science and understanding and all of a sudden monsters start showing up. It's not like this takes place in some kind of elevated fantasy world where monsters and monster hunters are a thing kind of like – now I'm not saying Underworld is a good series, but like where it takes place in a more constructed reality, yeah. um, where I like, you I like can the first kind underworld of movie. Yeah, it was it was a, it was a good Blue Matrix. <laughs>
0: um, but yeah, like you said, it, like they they build a world that 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 the scenario would make sense in.
1: Right. Not, exactly.
0: Not as, the modern world as we know it. <laughs>
1: Right. Even Blade, like it, yeah. it, it, it starts with a clearly elevated, you know, the first Blade movie starts with like a weird rave where blood comes out of fire sprinklers. Like that's telling you this takes place in a slightly more vampire y version of New York. I'm like, all right, cool. As opposed to these where it's like, hey, there's, there's, uh, you know, Tom Cruise, who's an archaeologist, I guess, or something, or a soldier or something in this. And it isn't like on an army plane, it's just,
0: well, apparently, I was reading their review, and apparently he's, like, a dick. Like, you're not supposed to like his character at all. But then you're also huh. supposed to root for him, which is, like – And the movie, like, is purposely making you not like him, but then you're also supposed to kind of, to kind of root for him, which doesn't work, apparently, at all. Because apparently he's not an archaeologist. He's, like, supposed to be in the military, and he's in Iraq, which is a whole other thing about why this mummy is buried in Iraq. I and mean, they like, explain yeah. it, but <laughs> uh, questionable. Um, but then, like, you know, he's basically trying to steal treasure and – then he gets into trouble when he's not on his post, and then there's an attack, and then the, the airstrike opens up the hole to find this thing. And he just like willy nilly shoots the coffin open and lets her out because <laughs> it's just like, I'm a dick. Like, you're like, they said there's like the movie is actively trying to make you dislike this character, but then well, he's the hero of the movie. And it's
1: like, no, right. I, I kind of want to see it because it sounds like just a sounds like garbage pile. So let's talk a little bit about, um, <laughs> um, what else we've like, you know, yeah, these are kind of classic monsters and, and, um, and characters. And so tell me a little bit about, you know,
0: so we all know I'm not really a big horror guy and, uh, but I've re- I watched and read a lot about horror because you ever, you ever watch any of the, uh, of, you know, James Rolfe, angry video game nerd. I'm aware. Yeah. Yeah. Um, he is really big in horror movies and he would do like a Halloween special every year where he would record Every day of Halloween or every day of October, he would record stuff about movies. So I just would watch those and find just talking about horror movies very interesting. So and he's very into this kind of thing. So he would describe these movies and he went through all the classics. And I like, so I have a very like overlying like academic understanding of sort of like what horror movies do. And the way you were describing horror movies, modern horror movies, is why I don't like them. Cause I can't ever root for the bad guy. I'm just too empathetic. Even the asshole jock who's getting that, you know, like, blade through him is like I'm like oh but he's got a mom at home who's really sad and like you know maybe he could have turned it around you know and I just like I'm just like too much empathy and uh but I also find it very interesting how these characters have gone you know you had the original Universal and then for Dracula he sort of had the Hammer Hammer Films phase you know with Mm -hmm. like Peter Cushing and uh Christopher Lee and all that Mm -hmm. everything like so that's all very cool I haven't watched any of that stuff Um, oh it's super campy I've heard but still it's like had that kind of the point like um As far as, you know, I have watched some of the more funny things like the like, cinema classic Van Helsing with Hugh Jackman.
1: Yeah, you know what? I haven't seen that movie in a while, so this is going to be one of my classic. I feel like I remember that being okay.
0: It's (laughs) uh, it's pretty bad, but. Once again, like they tried to pull a lot of stuff together, maybe like Frankenstein's in it and blah blah. blah. Like kind of what they're going for with this, but it's just so over the top and goofy. And it's like right set in Victorian England. It's like sure, why not? Like yeah. let's do and it. It. Em-
1: it embraces this. It embraces the inherent absurdity of you know a super team of evil monsters. Yeah, and it it goes full on over the top. It's a fantasy action movie. It's not a horror movie. It's not you know it predates these superhero movies for the most part. So it has a style all its own. It's, I remember not being a great movie, but at least I feel like it was built around a solid idea Mm -hmm. that was, you know, this is this, we're going high fantasy with it as opposed to, you know, tentpole action, which is one of the ways that maybe you could make this work.
0: Yeah. And, you know, as far as books and things, I've read Frankenstein. I have not read Dracula. I, I, haven't ever read any League of Extraordinary Gentlemen, although I've also seen that movie, which as a kid, I really liked because uh, I was a kid when it came out. Um, and <laughs> I was like, oh, I read some of these books in school. Like,
1: <laughs> so I didn't know well, about the comics and everything. But So I think we're going to have to talk about League of Extraordinary Gentlemen in more detail later because I think that that is yeah. a great model. I think that if anyone out there who your only experience uh, with League of Extraordinary Gentlemen is the movie, you owe it to yourself to read the the comics because they are – leaps and bounds (laughs) away from the movie. Whereas, you know, just this concept of, Hey, what if we took all of these great works of fiction that were published all around the same time and just kind of said, they're all true and they're all coexisting in this, in the same world. And, um, the comic is so obsessively researched and every single page is just overflowing with references and research that, and then you see the movie and it's like oh this is Sean I mean literally Sean Connery signed on to this because he felt bad that he turned down Gandalf in Lord of the Rings he saw how popular those were and he thought this would maybe make up for it um, but yeah we're i think we're going to have to talk about league
0: yeah i definitely later agree on. with that because it just seems to me it's just like so you, so the goal of these movies is to make the league of extraordinary Dream. like that seems like what they want to do but
1: yeah except none of their gentlemen are all that extraordinary are no
0: right? no so but yeah so how about you like you you've watched a lot of these films
1: yeah I mean I'm uh, I I kind of have a soft spot for Dracula movies I've seen very few good ones but I've seen a lot of Dracula movies um, and I think that I mean my favorite Dracula movie is is Bram Stoker's Dracula the Francis Ford Coppola one from the 90s with um, Gary Oldman as Dracula Winona Ryder as Mina Harker and um, Anthony Hopkins as Van Helsing, Uh, a lot of great casting. And also, like, it's a really fun thing to watch because I'm pretty sure that all, if not all, almost all of the special effects are all practical in-camera effects. Because uh, Coppola essentially wanted to make it with the um, the same types of effects that would have been available in, like, the 1920s or 30s um so it's got a really weird vibe to it and gary oldman's dracula is great and you know he does a great job of portraying dracula as a sympathetic but also um really villainous character and um it's just a really weird mess man it's it's really cool um so that's kind of the the Yardstick by which I judge other Dracula movies, but like I've also seen like Dracula 2000 starring Gerard Butler as Dracula <laughs> <laughs> and uh Blade 3 with the big dude from Prison Break as Dracula. <laughs> like, um, and I've also I've I've read the pretty sure all of the um Anno Dracula. Novel series by Kim Newman. I think that's the right name. I hope it's right. Um, Which is, and I think we'll talk about this a little bit later too, where it is a – Kind of League of Extraordinary Gentlemen style pastiche where it's like all of these things are, you know, true and they're all happening in the same universe. But it's also a universe where the ending of Dracula goes differently. His plan to essentially take over England (laughs) by turning a bunch of people into vampires like is successful. And now it's 30 years later and the world is built up around the idea that half the people in London are vampires. And Dracula is married to the queen. Oh, (laughs) <laughs> yeah, it's really it's really it's pretty cool. And oh, we'll talk about it more uh soon. But um, you know, and I like I said, I really like at least the first two Brandon Fraser mommy movies. It's like they four work.
0: something like ridiculous, but yeah. I think they get I think, I think they get real bad. I think the fourth I, one has I, like a 10% round me or something like it's really yeah. Bad.
1: I know I got out before <clears throat> The Rock got involved, so I think yeah. I <laughs> jumped ship just in time. But that was because I think and those are good because they're just good action adventure movies in the style of indiana jones or the rocketeer or um you know just kind of like hey it's a good time the mummy's just a scary monster and brendan fraser's gonna shoot him
0: yeah i like john hannah too so uh he's great plays like the uncle or brother i'm not sure what character he plays but he's like the the kind kind of smarmy greedy guy in the movie but Yeah,
1: yeah. yeah, yeah yeah yeah
0: he's great um so okay, cool. I think it's just good to know like where we're coming from and our consumption of these inhabitants of the dark universe.
1: Yeah, also I should point out, um, if you like Bram Stoker's Dracula, but also like occasionally watching bad movies, you should watch Mary Shelley's Frankenstein, which was made a couple of years later because the Bram Stoker's Dracula was successful. So they, I think. Who directed that one? Somebody else famous. But it was a little, it was, we're going to do Frankenstein kind of in the same style. Um, and I think it has Kenneth Branagh as, as Dr. Frankenstein, but get this Robert De Niro as the monster. I, it's, <laughs> uh, oh, it is a mess. And, um, uh, what's, uh, Helen, the bottom Carter, it becomes the bride of Frankenstein. It's weird and bad. And it is, it is really worth seeing just for the weird badness of it. Um,
0: yeah. I remember when that was like, we talked about a lot, that, about that movie a lot. Cause it was like still in people's minds when I was doing Frankenstein in high school. Um, uh, and it was just like, everyone was like, yeah, it's weird. And I'm like, okay. Just the fact yeah. that Robert Jr. Was in it at all. I was just like,
1: Hmm. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Okay. <laughs> So, shall we take a break for news? Let's take a break for news.
0: So, they're making a live-action US remake of Cowboy Bebop.
1: Fuck you. I am ha <sighs> I've spent a long time on this podcast on an earlier episode talking about um, Cowboy Bebop. And the first joke that came to mind when I read this was like, you motherfuckers already have your live action Cowboy Bebop American-made remake. It's called Firefly. You got your two seasons. Shut up about it. One season. Eh, Whatever. (laughs) Felt like two. Um, (laughs) 13 episodes. (laughs) Yeah, yeah. It feels like 26. Um, And this, I can't. I mean, first of all, there are very few perfect things in the world, especially when we talk about like, you know, TV shows or movies, there are very few perfect things in the world. And to me, Cowboy Bebop was one of those perfect things. Like, I can't go back and watch that show and think you know, I wish they'd done this a little bit differently. Or, uh, you know, these couple episodes, that kind of drag a little bit. Or, boy, that voice acting really didn't pay off in that scene. Or, you know, I really like this, but the, the CG they used in the space battles just doesn't hold up. Like, none of that is true. There's nothing you can say, I can say, about Cowboy Bebop that, like, they need another whack at this. And the fact... <sighs> And doing it, why does it need to be live action? It's perfect as a cartoon. Everything about it just adds up and fits together perfectly. And why would you pollute this thing? This thing that once as humans, we got it right. And you're like, no, you know what? I think we need to do it again. I mean, I understand that there's people out there who want to make money on Cowboy Bebop again. Do you want to make money on Cowboy Bebop again? Go back, remaster the original series, you know, um, clean up the animation, remaster the sound, you know, put it in HD and sell it to me on on Hulu as an exclusive and include director's commentary, and I will pay you to watch Cowboy Bebop again in a better resolution. Uh, but this is being produced by um, the guy behind MTV's Teen Wolf. And the new season of Prison Break, which, um, if the commercials are anything to be uh, to be believed, it's the new uh, show to watch if you want to watch a bunch of Muslims get shot. Oh, I so now Sunrise, which is the original um, kind of uh, anime production studio that released the original series, they're involved, but you know, I'm sure it's in a perfunctory way. The original director is not involved as far as anyone can tell but just having the original studio involved means that they licensed the rights to this and I don't know are they uh, their creative input on the original series is probably minimal to begin with so who gives a shit if they're involved now Um, they've got a writer Christopher Yost who's writing who already wrote Thor 2 and 3 All right, seems like a competent guy but why do you need a new writer you've got the scripts to the original show just make it uh, I'm, I'm very, very disappointed in this. I mean, I understand that by making this, the original is still there. Um, I, you know, they don't, it's not like George Lucas did when he remastered star Wars was like basically to get rid of the old tapes. So if you ever want to watch star Wars again, you have to watch the remastered versions with the new footage and weirdness. Um, I understand it's still there for me, but you know, when something that perfect when somebody's like, I know what we need to do. We need to make this uh, real people uh, so that Americans will pay to watch it. It's <laughs> insulting to me. It's insulting to the series. And I, I, I'm I'm incredibly disappointed.
0: Yeah, I mean, this is this is I feel like we're, we're in the stage of a, like movie and TV production that is it's no stone unturned. That's what we're in now. Where it's just like everything's off the table. Let's just adapt or remake everything, you know, because like making that Death Note show, they're making, you know, like the, they're, and some of these things aren't even Ally action remakes, but you know, there's like a Voltron show, you know, it's like everything's just being done. Like I'm, I'm, we're going to have a goddamn Beetleborg's, you know, big budget (laughs) movie soon for for fuck's sake.
1: Well, and I just, I don't know who greenlights this after the um, success of Ghost in the Shell. Yeah. Like how does that movie get made and flop and get all this backlash of like, hey, it was fine the first time and then you guys just made it worse. Like to, to so that these folks don't have to look at that saying like, no, we're not going to touch that – Uh
0: Well, there's like that live action Akira remake still in the works too, right?
1: Right, right. Which I really hope they've changed their mind about because every version I've read about that is it takes place uh, in America and it's all uh, pretty white dudes in the lead roles. And I think we've learned several times now. um, And, you know, being white people, we have the luxury of getting to learn it several times in a row and still be successful um, that... Just don't do this. Don't do this thing. Even though there's nothing inherently Asian about the lead, uh, characters of Cowboy Bebop. It's still just leave it alone, guys. It was a nice thing we had once. Nope. Not anymore. Speaking of, we can't have nice things. Yes. (laughs) Uh, the little Game of Thrones roundup here, but, um. HBO is already kind of inching away from their release schedule for the final season of the show, saying it might not hit the airwaves until 2019. Because why should it? Why should we get an ending to this series that we've been waiting for for 20 years? <laughs> why it's, should we? It's only going to be six episodes, guys. Right. Come on. What are you guys it. Like, I know
0: it's going to be a, a big six episodes, I'm sure. But still, like, uh, I mean, if it's big, half is probably
1: CGI anyway. So just do it. <laughs> well, I mean you guys know what you're doing by now. You have the actors, you have the sets, you have the locations, you have the costumes, just sh- shoot it. What?
0: Brand, Brand is going to look 40 by the time this is done. Like, <laughs> uh, And also <sighs> that they, there will be, that they did confirm there'll be one spinoff and that, you know, the four, the four scripts are just exploratory as we pretty much assumed yeah. from the beginning.
1: I, I think that's what, that's what everybody, you know, kind of assumed. And they kind of tried to reassure everybody that, oh no, they're going to make sure that they've, Excuse me. fully finished off the the original series before they move on to the spinoffs, which I'm like, yeah, I feel like you guys have already spent several million dollars on these spinoffs by getting these scripts made, and um, you guys don't seem in a huge rush to finish Game of Thrones, (laughs) because you had 13 episodes left, which you decided to split into two seasons, one of which you delayed, the other which looks like you're delaying by a year, so, yeah, we can't have
0: nice things. Uh, And even more nice things we can't have. Uh, well, actually. Or maybe, who knows? This could be good. Yeah. Uh, so, you know, we talked about how Just Whedon is coming in to clean up Justice League a little bit. But now they're saying that the the rumor has it, it's not confirmed for sure, that the reshoots are going to be all summer long.
1: Yeah. Which is well, I mean, a lot. So, the re- they're definitely doing reshoots. Yeah. Um, Henry Cavill, you know, put something on. um mm-hmm. What is it? What is it? Uh, is it MySpace?
0: Yeah, the one no, with the Zanga. Zanga. Zanga.
1: Yeah, he put something up on Zanga about uh, you know of, of him in costume and you know getting ready to to do reshoots. Um, so they're definitely happening, and it sounds like they're going to be shooting all summer, which implies they're not just you know cleaning up a scene or two. Um, and it's also I'm what I understand is. These are scenes that Joss Whedon has written as well. Mm -hmm. So they're not just kind of maybe going back and fixing a scene that already existed. This is apparently new scenes as written by Whedon, which, you know, again, it is the role that he's playing in this seems to be getting bigger and bigger by the day. You know, so because, you know, originally the first announcement, my assumption was – Oh, he's basically, you know, they're probably in the final stages of post-production and editing and he's coming in and they're going to call him director, but, you know, really not doing that much right now. And then you said, oh, no, he's actually been working on, you know, some rewrites and some, you know, more backroom stuff for a while now. And now he's also like he's written entire scenes and is shooting them. So we'll see. I mean, on one hand, I feel like anything that is done to this movie now (laughs) <laughs> any kind of course correction is probably a positive thing, but also, you know, this past week, um, cause I was feeling masochistic. I watched suicide squad mm-hmm. and how obvious it is that that movie was edited by two different people and then sandwiched together by a third party is so obvious. And I worry that that's going to be the same thing in justice league that it's going to be, well, I, mean, I worry like I care how it goes, you know, no, I want to see this thing burned to the ground. <laughs> um, but, it's, uh, yeah, who knows? This is weird, weird, wild uncharted territory now.
0: Yeah. I mean, I was, I was doing some look around the day and like, it's weird. Cause like, they're not delaying this movie at all. So is <laughs> it, and it comes out in November, right? Yeah, I guess. So like the fact that they're going to be shooting on summer long means that like, that doesn't leave a lot of time for post-production work. So like, nope. is it just going to be like, well, the action scenes are filmed. So we're going to film a bunch of dialogue in between to try and make a coherent movie. Like, I don't know. Like, what's – it's just it's just so weird. Once again, I'll just once again say like, wait a minute. Like, why are you getting involved with this, man? This is a sand pit and like – <laughs> oh, I just – Yeah, why do you want your fingerprints on this train wreck? No, I mean if you couldn't handle working with the gems that Marvel had given you and it was too much for you, like – yeah, you were just asking for trouble, but maybe, we will see. Maybe how he t-
1: wants a challenge at this point in his career. Yeah.
0: yeah. Maybe he's just like, ah, fuck it. Let's just do it. Let's just do it. <laughs> so, all right. We'll see what happens with that.
1: So we've been shitting on a lot of things. <laughs> Yeah, In the last couple hours of podcasts that we've done. Not just this episode, but last episode too. Uh, And I'm sorry, Patrick Rothfuss. I know you're trying. Uh, And I'm sorry, Zack Snyder. I know you're trying. Um, But let's talk a little bit about how Universal could get the dark universe right. And they won't get it right because they've already clearly set the controls for the heart of the sun. And they (laughs) have some idea what they're doing. Um, So I – First of all, I think the biggest problem is trying to make this in the superhero action genre. And I think if you just shook that off and tried to make something else, you would do a lot better. But let's say, so the first, a first batch of ideas is if you you do want to keep it in that superhero genre. So here's how, here's the fixes I think you make. Uh, One, you've got to change the time period. You have to take this back to... Um, Victorian times because if the monsters are the villains of your, uh, of your, your universe here, right. That it's, um, they don't work in the modern world. No, I mean the mummy might, because you can make her really, really supernatural, but like Frankenstein does not work. It, Frankenstein is not a scary thing in 2017 because guns exist. And, Frankenstein isn't scary when literally every police officer carries a weapon capable of bringing Frankenstein down on, on, on his or her hip. It just doesn't work in the modern world. Um, so you need you know, you, you, Frank, but Frankenstein can be terrifying in, you know a Victorian period because a big, strong guy can cause a lot of damage <laughs> um, that they just can't like you're, oh oh no, Frankenstein's on a rampage. Just shoot him just shoot him like you would a bear right like yeah or even
0: even if he's like powered up it's still just like all right well like we got a tank like let's just or you know a a fighter like a fighter jet like there's just so many things like you have to scale up their power level for lack of a better term like so high that they wouldn't be recognizable as those characters anymore
1: and I think there's also something about setting these things in the modern world with modern scientific advancements that Doesn't really work like I feel like every you know movie that has Dracula or vampires in it with the exception of Twilight uh, that sets itself in the modern world like they feel like they have to science away the vampire part like it's always a virus or uh, some weird mutation that they have to like science it away they can't just be like he he's a he's vampire it's it's vampire magic I don't know Um, and the same goes for you know Frankenstein that you can't just have it as like, ah, he's like, we sewed some corpses together and then electrified it. And now he's a monster like that. you That's a tough story to tell in 2017. Um, but if, if you set this back in, you know, in Victorian times, or even maybe even, you know, turn of the century, um, you know, uh, period. You don't need to like midichlorian all of your, all of the magic and, and mystery out of these things because you can kind of do it with like retrofuturistic steampunky technology where you're like, yeah, fine, uh, electrocute the corpse. Yeah, that'll be, that works fine. We we didn't know any better. Um,
0: I, and I, I agree because, and from like a story and like thematic perspective, like these monsters grew out of the issues and thoughts and themes of like the era. You know, you talked a lot about you know, how Dracula reflected sort of the concerns of, you know, sexual norms and all these different things. But, and then, you know, Frankenstein, same thing. You've got the idea of like, what is human nature? And if you started something from scratch, what it looked like. And like, you know, science as a whole, uh, the, all these issues that like, they're just not the same issues we had today. So the characters don't really fit as well. I mean, some of them, maybe you could adapt a little bit, which we can maybe talk about later. But uh, plus, you know, period pieces are hot right now. So everyone yeah. wants to see everyone's takes on the seventies. Why can't it be the eighteen seventies, right? Like, <laughs> period TV is. I mean, like, I was asking a friend the other day. I'm like, oh, what is? You know, he, he's uh, dating a very nice young woman. I asked like, what what, she, what kind of TV is she like, and he's like, she really likes period piece TV. Like, that's like a genre now. Like, fit it in there. That's a it's an open territory for like a more supernatural, you know, dark universe. Like, build it there. Like, build it in the past, and you know, and then and then it gives you freedom to extrapolate into the future you know if you if you want to
1: and that and that kind of like again if, if, if the goal is to keep this thing like superhero action like do, setting like big set piece action things in Victorian London is something we haven't really seen before I mean the new Sherlock Holmes movies tried to do it a little bit there was that um, Victor Frankenstein movie and I think Abraham Lincoln Vampire Hunter tried a little bit to do <laughs> this but like this is s- essentially somewhat fertile ground to set these things in a, in a in a different time period in a different area Um, you know like as I was thinking about like I actually would kind of like to watch a superhero movie that takes place in an area era pre-world I guess World War One is now that we have Wonder Woman and before it was World War II with Captain America but like yeah like I would kind of like to see a superhero movie that takes place in you know um, the 1880s. Yeah. yeah. Kind of interesting. Um, uh, so I think the time period is one and the heroes of the, um, of the movies. Cause again, if you're mo- monsters are still going to be the villains, you need heroes that are equally compelling and that I'm going to want to follow from movie to movie to movie. And just having kind of like, it's Tom Cruise or it's Vin Diesel or it's generic action star six one eight that's not enough. Like you want these characters to be into the heroes have to carry the movies themselves. And I think if you do something with the time period, you can get a lot more interesting, uh, heroes like Van Helsing. You can have, um, and there's, I think plenty of ways to do a doctor Van Helsing that are interesting. You know, you kind of had the Hugh Jackman Van Helsing, who was essentially vampire hunter D, uh, even in the costume. Um, (laughs) But you could also have Van Helsing be more of like the scientific professor on the team. Um, you could have Sherlock Holmes in your show because he's public domain now. You know, it's a pay to use him. And that's a. That's a known quantity. People want to go see what Sherlock Holmes is up to. They know that character. And seeing Sherlock Holmes teamed up with um, other historical or fictional characters of the time period could be interesting. You're building your superhero team in the same way that Marvel does, where you've got different personalities playing off of each other, these kind of outsized personalities, and you get that from somebody like Sherlock Holmes. Um I would kind of like to see, I mean, I don't mind the playing fast and loose with history. I mean, I think Abraham Lincoln vampire hunter is a great concept. Uh, I think having like Teddy Roosevelt on your monster (laughs) hunting team would be phenomenal. Um, but you could have Ishmael from, uh, Moby Dick, uh, captain nemo i realized that by talking about this we are essentially rebuilding league of extraordinary gentlemen <laughs> but that's what you have to do
0: yeah uh and that's actually one thing that i know it was like a big complaint a lot of people especially people friend of the comics because the comics are very like british victorian thing for mm-hmm. league of extraordinary gentlemen but i thought it was a clever idea to have tom sawyer be like the american coming in and being like what's going on guys like i don't know anything uh and the fact that he had this like dark history that like Huck Finn got ki- they were like what like reporters or cops or whatever and like he got yeah. killed or something I, I just thought like that's a clever way to like Americanize this even though it didn't really need it but
1: no I I, I think that it, at least conceptually Tom Sawyer was a good addition to the team he fits in with that uh, milieu uh, pretty well um, they have in the comics they have a lot of times they reference previous leagues. Or um, other leagues that you know, and they have had some American characters involved in some of these other leagues, like um John Carter of Mars was a member of one of the uh, one of the leagues. but um, but, yeah, that's what you have to do here because you can't have Dracula as one of the characters in your movie, and then the other characters like, I, I don't know, Chris Pratt, it just yeah. doesn't work.
0: It's just Uh like – especially when you see him in in like some of these same actors that keep going movies and they start playing the same role and it's just like – because I feel like Chris Pratt's character in Jurassic World. It's just like there's just nothing here and I like Chris Pratt a lot, you know, and it's nothing on him and it's just like these movies as like having generic action stars in a world of superheroes with like really strong aesthetics and personalities and like power sets and all these things that like very visual – like. If you're going to make a movie that's like a big movie like this, having just a dude just doesn't really cut it for
1: me. And so I think this is this is the difference between characters, actors and movie stars. There's nothing wrong with movie stars. Movie stars are people like The Rock or John Wayne or Clint Eastwood, um, Julia Roberts. Like you go to see these movies, these character they play the same character in every movie. But they're charismatic, and you like to watch them, and they're movie stars. Like, it's really it's it's vehicle, The movies become vehicles for them to play pretty much the same part. This kind of charismatic character that you like to watch. I have no conceptual problem with that idea. I don't mind seeing movie star movies. Um, and then there are actors who play characters, and you know sometimes you go, you know, you see great actors like you know, um, your Daniel Day Lewis, and I want to go see him be a great actor. Um, and then you also have characters like James Bond or Batman where the character is the draw and these movies are character movies. They're not movie star movies. Like the character is the draw. I want to see Dracula. So you can't have half the movie be about movie stars and the other half be about characters, big compelling characters. It just doesn't really work. Like you have to pick one and... Yeah, right.
0: and if you're going to use a movie star, your casting has to be on. You know what I mean? Like, casting Samuel Jackson as Nick Fury, like, that works. You know what I mean? like, like Marvel's casting, I think, has been unanimously pretty good. But even even some people who were like, at first I was like, eh? Like, you know, like, Scarlett as Black Widow It's kind of like, eh? But, like, eh, you know, they, they, they didn't they did, they did work. But, like, I agree with you about, like, you're, you're doing – your goals are two different things here. And to be in the middle just doesn't – no. Just no.
1: So – I also think if we're going to keep it a, you know, superhero action movie, maybe change the time period, we need to uh, maybe work on our list of monsters a little bit. Like we talked about earlier in the show, uh, the Hunchback of uh, Notre Dame, like are, 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 who is going to line up around America to buy tickets to watch a sad Hunchback get beaten up by Vin Diesel? <laughs> like what is that movie? Who, who wants to see that? And because you make them the villain and especially when, you know, their physical deformity is the centerpiece of their character and kind of explains why they're unlucky in society and in love. Like that's not going to work in 2017, man. Nope. I mean – and same thing for Phantom of the Opera. Like we talked like that's kind of a problematic character right now because he's a little stalkery and a little uh, – you know, again, Reddit, nice guy. Um, and that is the kind of character I would like to see get beaten up by by Chris Pine. But it's not an interesting, like, what threat does he pose? He's just a guy. He's just a, like a, and, and it's not even like this is a detective story. Like, um, you know, that we're trying to find some, oh, I don't know, maybe some kind of legendary serial killer who was active right around... The end of the 1800s. Shit. Shit. What did we call that guy? chat That beats me. John? John? John. John the slasher?
0: Yep. Yep.
1: Like that, you at least have to track that guy down. We never did. We don't know who that guy was. There's interesting things there. One of the greatest comic books of all time ever written. One of the greatest uh, human achievements from hell is all about that. Did a good job. But no, we're going to do Phantom of the fucking Opera. Just a guy with a fucked up face who plays the organ. This just doesn't work. And especially when the popular conception of the Phantom of the Opera is from the Andrew Lloyd Webber musical where he's a sympathetic character.
0: Yeah. How? how? And then to have him next to Dracula and the mummy just
1: doesn't make any sense. Right. It almost seems like they didn't so much have come up with a character list as they went to a Halloween store and wrote down some costume ideas. Well, they just went through all their properties.
0: that are sitting on the shelf and said, "Uh uh-huh, 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 uh-huh. Like and just just throw them all in. Let's do but it. I'm
1: you know. Pretty sure I'm pretty sure the Hunchback of of Notre Dame is public domain not Probably. now. Probably, but I guess there's I mean, no- like
0: their old properties. Like these are like old Universal movies that they yeah. made that anyone can make a movie of, but that they have a history with in some way. Like Universal Pictures has a, a property of not necessarily as their own, but they have some sort of attachment to it, which is not really a good reason to put them all in a dark universe
1: right right and and i think you know to your point putting somebody who you know has has a hunchback or whose face was burned by acid in the same category as monsters and that's the word you're using monsters maybe don't do that maybe that's not okay um but i think that more so than trying to shoehorn these characters into an action movie, superhero action movie kind of mold. Maybe just don't make them action movies. Maybe don't try to square that circle. Like for example, so Dracula, Dracula is the archetype of Gothic horror. Like it is, a you know, didn't invent the genre, but if, but that's the idea it's, and he, Dracula is a sexual predator. His whole thing is he's coming from weird old Eastern Europe coming over to London with the intention of setting up shop and spreading his weird vampire disease to all of London. (laughs) Oh, and by the way, uh, that disease, how does he give it to you? Well, he seduces you. Yada, yada, yada. Now you're a vampire like him. And that definitely comes from uh, a time period, right? But also, that's how it works. Like, his the, 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 the scary thing about Dracula is not that he can turn into a bat. It's that he can hypnotize you and seduce you in your dreams and, you know, um, manipulate you. That's what makes Dracula scary. Um, so that works great within horror or within a thriller. It doesn't work within an action movie. Because then the whole movie is just about well we've got this wooden stake how do we get it in the count it it, it takes everything away from it um, now and it works in modern horror too where again where what you want to do is you want to see the bad guy go and you know you know kill some you know jerks um, and get away with it. Um, but it, how does it work in an action movie? We've tried it. They've tried it. The Dracula 2000 movies were action movies, and it's just bad. And when blade when he shows up in Blade three, man, it is one of the dumbest things in the world. Um, and Frankenstein, you know, another one of the kind of, I'm gonna say, the big tent poles of this fr- franchise, one of the best known uh, characters. Um, if you make an action movie with Frankenstein, unless he's the hero, which I kind of be interested in. there's been some good comic books. I think Doc Frankenstein. Well and
0: in and in Van Helsing, like his character was good, kind of. Yeah. So like where Yeah.
1: Yeah. Like if you follow the novel and he's he he develops a morality and intelligence and he's on the he's a good guy. Like I kind of want to see an action movie where, you know, you've got Frankenstein's monster who's been around around for hundreds of years at this point because he's probably functionally immortal. Um and that could be kind of neat, but um, if you're going to go with Frank, it's, he's a monster and he's the bad guy, like it doesn't work in an action movie because then he's just – he's the Hulk. He's just he's just a big strong guy yeah. who goes on a rampage and again, if, if you're setting this in the modern world, eh, you stop him pretty easily. Um, but if you make it a horror movie or a drama, Frankenstein is not just a big scary guy who's going to, you know you know, punch you too hard. It's a question about morality, about the nature of life, about redemption, about human nature. Those are interesting things, not – Oh, boy, do we have a big enough rocket launcher to get rid of this green guy? (laughs) Um, And so the third way I think you could fix this, um, and this is the one that I think is most interesting to me, is that you go all in on world building. Like, I think one of the things we talked about, you know, kind of at the top of the show was like, one of the reasons this thing kind of falls apart is because you're setting it in the modern world, and all of a sudden monsters are real, and that's just kind of a weird thing. But... So the example, and I I mentioned earlier as well, is the Anno Dracula series. Um, Starts with the premise, the books kind of fall off the rails a little bit after a while, but it starts with the premise of what if Dracula just succeeded in his plan and basically vampirized London. And um, we come back and now vampirism is like the fashionable thing to do. And, you know, because the queen herself is a vampire, so don't you want to maybe become a vampire too? And then what strain of the blood you get it kind of dictates your place in society kind of the more pure it is, the closer it is to Dracula, you know, the, you know, you're a, you're a better, stronger vampire. Um, And so it's got this class stuff and it's got these other characters like Dr. Jekyll is involved. I think Dr. Moreau shows up at some point, but it does a great job of extrapolating out a world where vampires are real and we know it. Like we already know vampires are real and this is the, this is the, world that we live in. Um, so I think if I use that as the, as the model, like, so what if, and and this is just me being dumb and coming up with ideas, like how come smart Hollywood people (laughs) aren't doing like things that are 10 times better? I don't know. Um, but they're like, Hey, what if we just made, you know, um, a Marvel movie, but in, but we put our people in it. Um, so why not think like, so you take a modern world where Dr. Jekyll's formula, happened right you know what would if we start with that and then we just work forward from what comes up after the story of dr jekyll and mr hyde how does the world evolve after this thing is so what if the british government uh weaponized dr jekyll's formula they find it they find this thing that makes you super strong and gets rid of all your inhibitions and makes you nigh invulnerable so they weaponize it in order to you know because around this time, this was kind of the, the the height of the British Empire. So what if they had an army of Mr. Hydes at their disposal to further subjugate India and reclaim America and, you know, kind of broaden out the, the British Empire? Um, it takes – it the, your movie takes place in 2017, but – and it takes place in America, but America was recaptured by the British in 1900 by, you know, these um, – this, you know, the, this British government with their, with their hulks, their army of hulks. And you never know who among you is one of like the kind of secret police that could hulk out into a hide at any time. And everyone's living in fear. And hey, that maybe, maybe if somebody spent another half hour on that, maybe that might be an okay concept for the start of a movie. Um, rather than just, oh no, Mr. Hyde's real. He's just been like living in secret, I guess, in like a, Weird room. Um, or, and this is kind of built on the league of extraordinary gentlemen model where like all of the stories that were happening at the same time, they're all true. But again, like extrapolate that out to the modern day. So, so in this one, you know, you've got, um, you know, the, there are these, these gangs of, of Mr. Hydes that are like roaming the streets and terrorizing people. Um, you know, the, the, they're addicted to the formula, the Dr. Jekyll formula. So they're like, you know, these drug addled gangs who also turn into hulks. Um, But there's also this like high class group of mysterious invisible man thieves, like that they've, you know, they've, you know, found whatever that formula was and they use it to orchestrate, you know, crazy Ocean's Eleven style invisible man heists all around the world. Um, North Africa has been a utopia since, you know, and since the 1930s, when a certain crypt was opened and a deathless pharaoh walked out to lead, you know, to turn Egypt into the center of um, of technology in the, you know, in the in the Eastern world, like or Dr. Frankenstein, you know, what would our world be like today? If Dr. Frankenstein was working in the late 1800s and figured out how to bring people back to life and what's the world of 2017 like now, like death would be optional in that world which is also populated by visible Ben and Mr. Hyde's and mummies, but, um, where you can, if you can afford it, you can go and just sign yourself up for the Frankenstein treatment so that after you die, they shock you with a better machine. Now it doesn't make you crazy. They don't have to stitch you back together from murderers and maybe you'd still have the little neck bolts, but now they just look like apple earbuds and it's kind of a fashion accessory. Like, so if that's the world that we're playing in a modern world where these kind of famous monsters have existed for, you know, a hundred years or more. Uh, but now our modern world is dealing with it. Like with well, the creatures from the black lagoon are staging marches on Washington so that they can have equal rights and they don't want to be called creatures anymore. Hashtag black lagoon's matter. Um, <laughs> uh, uh, I, I gotta say, I love this. These,
0: like, like I, these ideas, I mean, you know, I love world building and like, extrapolating out things, but it, once again, it just makes me go like, Oh yeah, kind of like what League of Extraordinary Gentlemen did, right? Like it's just yeah. like it's just like it's just like you've got a model for these movies. Like even if you didn't call it that, like look at it and extrapolate. And like once again, like take, have a have like a have a clear plan and a purpose for structuring the movies and the characters in your movies, rather than just we made a movie with that character in it in the 1920s, so right. they should be in this dark this dark universe. Like that's that's not that's not a business plan. That's not a story plan. It's just like it's just like a a trivia piece.
1: Well, I think that's one of the things that's really missing from a lot of these modern cinematic universes is like, so now DC's building theirs, and you wonder, like, Superman, I mean, so so by the time we get to Batman versus Superman, Batman has been active for twenty years, right? Yeah. How come Superman shows up at the beginning of Batman versus Superman is like, huh, did you hear about this Batman? Like, this guy has been waging a one-man war on crime five miles across the river from you. How He would be national news. How did the existence of Batman influence, you know, uh, Clark Kent's decision to be Superman? Why isn't he – why didn't he clean up Gotham as soon as he decided he was Superman? You know, like, they don't (sighs) –
0: Yeah, superhero stories are tough that way because people want – you want them to be your world because it's – you don't want to get too, if you really extrapolated too far, it, w- it would just be like a sci-fi story. Right. <clears throat> or well, maybe not for Batman, but like, if you took the whole universe's it's like, Oh yeah. Mr. Fantastic man. everyone has a flying car now, but, but yeah. It, and, and it like sets that, that like rubber band effect. We're like, no, no, keep coming back to what it looks like right now. And these are the same things. I mean, it's just like, this just, this isn't how the world would look if Dracula right. existed.
1: Right. And, and the, the easy way out is, Oh no, this is the first time any of this is happening. Mm-hmm. Um, or the first time it's happening on a big scale. Like, you know, Iron Man was in the Marvel Cinematic Universe. He was the kind of the first superhero to show up since Captain America. You know, it had been 50 or 60 years. Captain America had faded into legend at this point. And then, so you can say, oh, all of this is starting now. Okay. But then DC, you can't use that same cop-out and dark universe. You can't use that same cop-out. Like you have to try a little bit harder, especially, and then you watch, I watch Suicide Squad, and okay, so Superman shows up, and everybody's like, wow, it's a man who can fly, but also, apparently, there's been a Mexican gangster who can light ent- hundreds of people on fire at once, who's been sitting in a jail, and we all forgot about, oh, and you know, the Joker's a thing, and has been on the loose for a while in, in Suicide Squad, why didn't Superman get involved, like the fact that they don't seem to be...
0: Yeah, there's no interplay, and I think that this brings up a good point of like comparison, comparing to the other cinematic universes we've had developing. And there's all there's one other one I want to talk about here uh, because of another upcoming one. Um, is that even if they wanted to stick, ignore all our ideas about what would make this stuff work?
1: I think I think they might ignore our ideas. By the way,
0: uh, yeah, I mean. I'm really expecting a call from Universal, like, you're hired, but, you know, <laughs> I guess it'd be you because you came up with most of the ideas. But <laughs> I still think that there is a better way to – even if they want to do exactly what they're doing, you could have done it a better way. Oh, yeah. Make, uh, make the Dracula movie your Captain America that's set in the, you know, Victorian era, and then he's still around. You know, like, set some things at different times, build up to it, but just this whole, like – Oh, by the way, Tom Cruise, did you know that the monsters have been around for years and you just didn't know? And there's van- like, it's just going to see it when you're saying this is the first time this has ever happened, but actually not. It it even worse.
1: But also, I mean, you can't have this. Oh, this was going on in secret in 2017. That doesn't work anymore. The world doesn't have secrets anymore, especially not secrets on the level that, hey, death is an illusion. <laughs> turns out, turns out people can turn into bats. If they drink the right kind of blood, like that's not the kind of secret that stays hidden in 2017. Like our world has a lot less mystery in it. You can't pull this shit of, okay, your movie opens in our universe and then takes a turn when we find out some hidden truth, like that just doesn't work anymore. You have to, I mean, if you set your movie in a more mysterious time before the internet, before all of us had a, had the world's intelligence in our pocket, then maybe not. But yeah, if vampires were real, that shit would be all over YouTube. We would all know about it.
0: Yeah. I mean, then if if that's what you're going to try and pull, then you're at the level of a supernatural or even a Buffy where if you really take a step back, it's like, well, this these things have been real for how long? Like no one really knows about them. Like that's not really, no, makes any sense you know there's been some world change like world saving events for the, now we're in 12 years of supernatural running like and no one
1: noticed seems like seems improbable right yeah so but i'm and curious when that, how when that started in 2005 it was a, even a little bit more plausible right of, yeah. you know there could be a secret underbelly to the world that we are unaware of um
0: YouTube was really not not a thing yet, you know. Like it just, there's just the world has changed a lot. Uh, so that's why it's like there's been a lot of things. I think that as a child, I was very interested in. Like I was really into like you know what we always called in schools enigmas. I don't know why they called it that. <laughs> like
1: unsolved you know, mysteries.
0: Well yeah, like I had, there was a whole unit on it in like the gifted program. My elementary school we did a whole unit on enigmas, like you know like the Nazca lines and things that we just couldn't explain. Sure, sure. But also like more more like weird things like you know, Bigfoot and Loch Ness Monster. And now it's just like, no, no, that stuff. That's just all garbage. And it's just like instantly repudiated, not for some people, but for most people.
1: Well, and the truth is, is the Loch Loch Ness Monster could have been repudiated by any uh, first-year biology student, um, even back when, when, when we were kids. It's just nobody had the sense to ask them. And, you know, books about the unsolved mystery of the Loch Ness Monster get published a lot more easily than some biology students explanation of like, Hey, uh, if you to have a breeding population of a, of a thing this size in an area that small, you'd be seeing, there'd be, there'd be 60 of them in the lake. You'd see them every damn day. Um, or, you know, there's not enough biomass in that lake to sustain a creature of that size, period can't happen. Um, yeah. Uh, you know, like those things aren't going to get published, but whereas today with the internet, like, yeah, that stuff's up there. Cause it costs just as much to publish your, uh, <laughs> your debunking as it is to publish your, your silly, your silly nonsense.
0: But yet somehow they still get shows on history. Check. Uh... <laughs> uh, <laughs> but what I'm curious to see is how moving forward, the dark universe compares to the dark monster universe, which I think is what the King Kong Godzilla universe is being called.
1: Oh, Which I think is, they're just calling it the monster MonsterVerse? Monster
0: universe, okay. I, maybe maybe it's just monster. But okay, still, I'm curious to see because once again, and we won't get too far off on a tangent, but setting up some weird premises. Like, all right, so King Kong was a thing in the 70s, but then Godzilla shows up in the 2010s. Well, like, and and there's it's like, you know, this organization led by uh, John Goodman. That, <laughs> like, yeah, yep. like, uh, I just, I'm curious how if they will go down the same rabbit hole of like, I mean don't get i think there's a lot more room for like listen we just want to see godzilla fight mothra on screen in full cgi glory (laughs) and maybe king kong helps too like well sure why the fuck not but like
1: uh, see that's the thing is though i feel like fine make your monster verse i mean apparently king kong was good um what is it good uh, that that's what i heard is that it was it was pretty good but um I mean, isn't the logical conclusion, you know, if we're talking about the logical conclusion of a world where Dracula and the mummy are real is, you know, the thing I described, isn't the logical conclusion of the Monsterverse just Pacific Rim?
0: Yeah. I mean, that's like it's,
1: at, at some point, oh, the humans figure out a way to fight the giant monsters that are now around. Uh, and like Godzilla. Looks a lot like giant robots that fight the giant monsters. So, and I feel like Pacific Rim kind of did all you can do in that world. Like, I don't think there's a lot of, there's not a lot of stones that uh, Pacific Rim didn't uh, didn't overturn. So I don't know where, the, yeah. I don't know where any of these dummies go. Um, it should be really interesting. Than-
0: and I just, I mean, I, I wonder, my question is, how hard do they commit to this, right? Like, it seems like the gears are in motion, but we've seen course corrections before. You know maybe DC's in the process of it right now you could look at that as an example but like they really seem to be going for this
1: I think I th- I think they're gonna get two or three movies in and they're gonna drop it and it's a fair a fair assessment a fair prophecy
0: <laughs> yeah uh phew.
1: boy well, truthfully most of these most of these characters are public domain they don't they're not they're not winning themselves any any legal battles by exercising their rights on these characters at some point it just becomes a a loss they're, you're just making a movie that nobody's gonna see uh, and you just got to cut your losses and go I mean some of the other things you could argue like no they really want to keep this keep the rights to this so they're gonna poop out the movie anyway but uh no this is yeah. I don't see this going anywhere because again I feel like it's an inherently broken concept superhero action but starring the villains. Who versus heroes you don't care about? Like, it's just not going to work, I'm afraid.
0: No, I don't think so. And I think we're getting to the point now where the 10 years ago or 15 years ago, even if you don't think the Brendan Fraser mummy was a good movie, which it's, it's fun, um, or even its sequels that probably did okay at the box office, we've only been more inundated. The, the market for big tentpole action movies has never been more saturated than it is now. Yeah, and not just saturated, but saturated with a cream of the crop. Right, there are really good tenpo action movies out there that people really like,
1: and even movies that people,
0: yeah, and even people, even movies that people, you know, weren't sure how we're gonna do. Like Wonder Woman is doing fantastic; it's setting records. You know, like these movies are if they're good, people will go see them. And I think even though Transformers will still come in and pull three hundred million or whatever, I think those are that's that's that that's already got that market cornered like the dumb, big, dumb action movies, right? Like it's done. And honestly, giant transforming robots are a little more interesting than The Invisible Man. Sorry. <laughs> you know, it's just like, it's just more compelling visually for that kind of crowd that would go see those movies and like yeah. those
1: movies, right? And people people feel a connection to the Transformers. Um, that got a lot of people in the seats initially, myself included, for the first movie mm-hmm. because, you know, we felt a connection to these characters, wanted to see how it's done. I don't think there are a lot of people out there really feeling a strong connection to the Bride of Frankenstein, <laughs> they want to go see what she's been up to. Uh, yeah. I don't see it.
0: Especially if it's if they bungle it. <laughs> Which they so, will. Yeah. So that's our rundown. I mean, I don't think there's anything else to say. We just destroyed <laughs> the dark universe. Sorry. The dark universe.
1: <laughs> yeah. Well. <laughs> <sighs> well, um, so do you have any recommendations coming out of this? Uh, my recommendation is just to go
0: hate watch both Van Helsing and League of Extraordinary Gentlemen. And then think about that and be like, is the upcoming movie even worse than this?
1: Uh, yeah, I think it's going to have to be. Uh, I recommend um, I recommend that people read League of Extraordinary, Gen- Extraordinary Gentlemen. Um, don't watch the movie. Um, also, uh, check Wait, out the- f- Oh,
0: hold on, hold on. Are you canceling all my recommendation?
1: You, well, <laughs> yeah, I am. <laughs> give me an anti recommendation read the book read it first then watch the movie however that we'll compromise <laughs> read the comic first and also check out um, the Anno Dracula books um at least the first two um the first one is kind of the direct kind of sequel to Dracula and i think the second one takes place in world war 1 um it's called the bloody red baron where uh the red baron is a vampire who could turn into a giant bat with machine guns mounted on his chest <laughs>
0: Oh, <laughs>
1: yeah, the, things, the wheels come off more and more as the series progresses. But uh, the first book, at least, is 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 a really cool exercise in world building and extrapolating out from, uh, you know, what if Dracula were real and what if he won? Uh, and for a more serious recommendation, this
0: is a little bit different than usual recommendation, but I am going to recommend if I can find it, we'll put it in the show. notes. I think it's probably still out there. Um, the Angry Video Game Nerds series he does on the YouTube series. He I assume they're on YouTube now. Uh, he can he started before YouTube was a thing. So but he does really good cinematic, you know, from like almost like a, a a film critic film studies view of like horror movies and he does all all kinds of series. He did one every year for many years. So one in classic movies, one of them he did cult classics, you know, just crazy stuff. So uh, we'll try and find some of the related series and and put in the show notes because i learned a lot about the universal pictures and how they worked and why they're regarded so highly as well as more modern takes on these characters as, as well so um i think that would be for people who are unfamiliar would be a good basis
1: all right well maybe we'll have more positive things to talk about next week huh
0: we probably do like a, a like a positive episode at some point because i feel like have <laughs> just been like really just dumping cold war on everything that's come out the gate it's like this sucks this sucks this is terrible and i know that's like that's like your thing but like it is not my thing <laughs> uh i'm feeling a little bit depressed and we need to do something something that's that's good but i mean we just <laughs> come off of a good a good guardians review so i guess we have that i guess that's us. true
1: that's right <laughs> all right buddy we'll all see you next week see you next week